A very good morning to you. And now on RTHK, it's time for our program, Hashtag Hong Kong, with Fiona Woodhouse, Deputy Director of Welfare, SPCA, Society for the Prevention of Animals. On to 2022 is the official centenary year of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. Although it was first formed in 1903, when a group of volunteers formed a humane organisation dedicated to educating the public to have respect for all forms of life and protect animals from cruelty and unnecessary suffering. In 1921, the SPCA officially registered and held its first annual general meeting. A couple of years later, the SPCA took over the operation of the dog's home from the Hong Kong government and began successfully advocating for the introduction of more stringent animal protection legislation. Although it took a few more years for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Ordinance to be enacted in 1935. The SPCA has played a wide and varied role over the decades. Historically, many prosecutions for cruelty related to the treatment of food animals, either in the markets or during transport. Dog and cat eating was also a serious issue, with specific legislation banning the practice introduced in the 1950s. In the 1960s, the SPCA identified there was a lack of veterinary care available for pet owners in Hong Kong, and so it started to provide a veterinary service. Throughout the years, the SPCA has retained its focus on humane education, recognising that education and encouraging the public to change their beliefs, attitudes and behaviour is key to improving animal welfare in Hong Kong. We have school programmes for all ages, and these are a vital component for instilling understanding and empathy for animals in formative years. I have been in Hong Kong now for almost 30 years, and looking back over those years, the Hong Kong public has made significant improvements in developing a better understanding of animals' needs and shown increased concern over animal welfare in general. Pet owners are more experienced and responsible, and the availability of veterinary care has increased. On the front of pet friendliness, the SPCA has had considerable success in recent years, advocating for increased access to public open spaces, with the development of many new pet-friendly open spaces, and the Leisure and Cultural Services Department recently launching its inclusive parks policy. Pet-friendly workspaces and shopping malls have also become more commonplace, but challenges still exist in creating a pet-friendly Hong Kong, notably with transport and social housing. Over the past two years, COVID has presented significant challenges in terms of companion animal welfare. With the global reduction of air traffic, people struggled and still do to move countries with their pets. On the upside, many people locked down in Hong Kong recognised the benefits of the human-animal bond during this stressful period and adopted or fostered animals. However, on the downside, we saw an increase in cases involving cats and dogs being smuggled from mainland China to meet the demand for pets in Hong Kong. Some of these animals would be smuggled to go directly to new owners who had ordered the animals over the internet. Others are smuggled to enter the illegal pet trade and to be sold to unsuspecting or complicit parties. Unfortunately, potential pet owners may only be focused on satisfying their need to get a pet and are not considering the consequences, and this is leading to untold suffering, with many of the smuggled animals suffering from neglect and infectious diseases. This poses additional risk to animals already living in Hong Kong and can cause untold heartache for their new owners. Over the past months, we have seen a resurgence of infectious diseases with high fatality rates such as parvovirus and distemper in dogs and feline infectious enteritis in cats linked to smuggling cases. These types of medical cases were seen more regularly in the 1990s in Hong Kong when the welfare and healthcare standards were not so high. We truly hope that prospective pet owners consider the impact of their choices when exploring the different avenues for pet acquisition and the impact on the welfare of the animals used in the trade.
and make an ethical decision to either adopt or avoid legal or underground sources. The spectre of smuggled animals introducing rabies to Hong Kong looms large. However, for the coming year, we have a bright light on the horizon in that the government will continue the process of proposing to amend our outdated anti-cruelty legislation. Introducing a duty of care component that requires everyone who has charge of an animal to meet that animal's welfare needs, as well as introducing other elements such as specific offences and higher penalties, and the option of a ban on keeping animals for persons convicted of animal cruelty. The new legislation will offer increased protection for animals in Hong Kong, not just those companion animals who we hold dear, but all animals, including those often overlooked, found on farms, in the markets, or otherwise used commercially, or in the wild, or those that are feral. I'd like to dedicate to the listeners "Things Can Only Get Better" by Dream. You can walk my path. You can wear my shoes. Good morning. I'm John Tanner. If you spend a lot of time on social media, you may know that some people run accounts where their pet is the star of the show, be it a dog, a cat, a hamster, a parrot, or whatever. But what happens when your star pet dies? For some social media stars, the solution is to replace the pet with a clone. It sounds like a science fiction movie, I know. But animal cloning technology has been around for years, where you take the original animal's DNA and create a living, breathing copy. According to the website Input, several Instagram stars have already done this. And if you're wondering, cloning your pet isn't cheap. It costs anywhere between thirty-five thousand to fifty thousand U.S. dollars. Why go to that extreme? Well, one reason is to keep the Instagram account going because those accounts make money. But the owners also say that they clone their pet because they miss them so much that cloning them is a way to process their grief. As a lifelong pet owner, I think that's probably going too far. Apart from the ethical issues, it's also not a healthy way to process grief. And it's unfair to all of the animals in shelters waiting for someone to take them home. But I can kind of understand the sentiment. For many pet owners, pets are companions. They're part of the family. We raise them and love them, and we grieve for them when they die. Our lives feel emptier when they're gone. To be sure, some pet owners don't feel that way. They see pets as a status symbol, a hobby.